Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at a few verses from Matthew 13 um, this morning, but before we look at the first verse, I want us to jump down to uh, the 34th verse. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 34. Now, the, uh, the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew is a, is a really lengthy chapter, 58 verses. 58 verses. So, um, as far as chapters in the Bible go, that's a pretty long one. And in this 13th chapter of Matthew, we have uh, several parables that Jesus gives to us um, back to back to back to back. I mean, he just, just rolls right through them, okay? Parable after parable after parable after parable. And, um, and a lot of these parables begin with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And, and as we said uh, on last Sunday, for those of you who are not here, um, Jesus came from his world to bring the wisdom of his world with him to our world. Amen. The Bible says that God's ways are above our ways. And not just barely above, not just barely better, but way better, way above. He said they're as high as the heavens are above the earth. So there's a gap there that has to, to be bridged. In other words, if, if the wisdom that heaven operates and functions by, that God himself operates and functions by, um, by the way, the same wisdom and ways that you and I were created and designed uh, to operate and function by, that we lost sight of, humankind lost sight of. But Jesus came to bring that to us. He came to deliver it, hand deliver it to us. Um, but again, there's a big gap there. And so he, he uh, is going to try to bridge that gap by telling parables, stories, stories, stories. Um, we all love a good story. Amen. That's why television is so popular. We, we, we love a story. We were designed for stories. We learn a lot from stories. And so Jesus came to tell stories, parables, or as I like to call them, come parables. Uh, he would take something from his world and find something in our world to compare it to and use that comparable to teach us the truth. Okay? Now, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 34 kind of jumping into the middle of this chapter, a little beyond the middle. Jesus says this, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables and without a parable, I said Jesus said it, this is the word of God obviously, all these things Jesus spoke to them in parables and without a parable he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now, let's pause here for a moment um, and think about what he's saying. Jesus came to reveal truth to us that had never been revealed to another human being. He came to reveal mysteries that God chose to keep a secret up until that moment in time. Again, the prophet said when the Messiah comes, when Jesus comes, he will open his mouth in parables 
And when He opens His mouth and delivers those parables, He will be revealing truth to us in the form of those parables that has been kept a secret since the foundation of the world. Wow. Now, obviously Father God is working a plan, and we are all a part of that plan. And I don't necessarily have exact answers as to why he kept these things hidden until now. I think it has to do with until the Holy Spirit is back inside of a human being, there's, there's no way that we can understand these truths, these, these mysteries. And I think it also, these truths um, have to do with our new birth and, and, and what Father ultimately wanted to accomplish uh, through the sacrifice of Jesus, His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and the position now that that puts us in, right? And the wisdom that we need from Him in order to fulfill and live out that destiny. Now, I want to I try to just talk to you as simply and as plainly as I know how to talk to you this morning. Answers that we need are in the truths delivered through these parables that were kept secret from the foundations of the world but have now been shouted from the rooftops, but have now been laid out right here for you and me in parable form for us to take those parables and begin to study them and, 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 and read them and give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come alongside and help us not only understand the truth that's in those parables, but to apply that truth to our lives. Now, it just so happens that Matthew chapter 13 begins with a parable that Jesus said was the parable of all parables. In Mark's uh, account of this parable, Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, how will, will it be possible, how is it possible for you to understand all the others? In other words, this parable, the parable of the sower, the parable of the farmer planting seed, it is the master key to unlock all these other parables. But again, I wanted to begin with Matthew 13, 34, and 35 before we looked at this parable, just so that you would understand, for lack of a better way of saying it, what's at stake here. In other words, what is available for us to understand? Truth that's been hidden from the foundations of the world is contained within these parables. Secret, sacred, hidden truth. The wisdom that, that breathed stars out of the mouth of God being made available now for you and me to take up and use and understand so that we can have the successful, victorious life and family that God created us to have. Amen. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 13. Let's begin at verse number 1. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 1. Look at me for just a moment, okay? I know some of you are like, man, we've, we've studied this before, Pastor Mark. We've heard sermons from you and, and others on this. And that, Listen now, you, I'm not saying this is everybody, but you can't have that attitude towards the Word. Amen? If you'll have the right attitude towards Father's Word, every time you look at a passage, He'll show you something else. He'll show you something you've never seen before. The Lord began to reveal some things to Brother Hagen, and this was years ago, and, and the Lord actually appeared to him in a vision 
And his heart was what our heart should be. If, even if you see it or hear it in a vision, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then the vision's not right. You never go with the vision or the dream or the experience over the Word of God. And so he's sitting there talking to the head of the church, and he, and he says, well, you're going to have to show this to me in the Scriptures. He basically said it this way. He said, I've read the New Testament more than 150 times, and I've never seen that in there. And this is what the Lord told him. He said, son, there's a lot of things in there you haven't seen. Amen. Come on now. There's a lot of things in here we haven't seen yet. There's a lot of things in here that'll make a really big difference in our lives and our life realities that we haven't seen yet. Amen. And so just because you think you know something, remember what the Bible says, if any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. So again, I'm not about to do, we may in the, in the days ahead, but I'm not about to do a verse by first study of what this is saying. I want us to start with a, with a broader view of it, all right? So Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you speak to them in parables? Well, later in this same chapter, we're going to come to the verses we've already looked at. And we see that the prophet said that the Messiah would speak to us in parables. And that in those parables, he would reveal truth to us that was hidden from the foundation of the world. Now, this particular parable, as we've already mentioned, is a master key parable. And let me tell you why I believe it is a master key parable. It's because this particular parable addresses the condition of a person's heart in relationship to the Word of God. It's talking about seed being planted in soil. And as Jesus explains the parable to us, we see that the seed that's being planted is the Word of God. And the soil that it's being planted in is men's and women's hearts. It's, it's individual hearts uh, of, of people that are hearing uh, the Word of God. And we see that the seed landed in what would basically be four different soil conditions. Some landed where the tractor turns around, you know, and the ground is compacted. Some, some landed off to the side. Some landed in the rocks. 
Some landed in a place where weeds sprang up and choked it out. And then we also see that there was the seed that landed in the good soil and, and, and that seed produced 30, 60, 100 fold return in that individual person's life. Do you believe that what's in this book, the Word of God, do you believe that it can make your life better than it is right now? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that that Father's not just interested in your conduct, but the only reason He ever said anything about your conduct is because it affects His greater concern, and that's your condition of life? That He ultimately desires and wants for us to succeed and to, and to prosper and to be in health? What father, what mother among us doesn't want good for their children? And your Heavenly Father wants good for you. And His Word, and the truth that's in His Word, has the power to make your life better to make your marriage better, to make your bank account bigger. I'm not ashamed of that. The Bible teaches that. Jesus told us how to get wealth. Told us how He would empower us to get wealth. Amen. He, he doesn't want you struggling and barely scraping by. He wants you to, to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. Man, start praying what Abraham prayed. Start praying, Father, make me a blessing. God, said, God didn't just say, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you a blessing. You understand, in order to be a blessing to somebody else, you've got to be blessed first. If you're going to bless somebody else, you've got to have something to bless them with. And so Father wants you blessed because He ultimately wants to make you a blessing. Well, how do we get from where we are, uh, from where we are right now to where He wants us to be? Amen. It's growing in His truth. It's hearing these sayings of His and doing them. The Bible says the people who do that are like people who dig deep and build their house on a solid foundation and nothing in life will ever be able to tear them down. So again, this parable is a master key parable because it addresses the all-important condition of a person's heart as it relates to the Word of God. Seed as it relates to the soil, the Word of God as it relates to the condition, the individual condition of my heart, the individual condition of your heart. I like to say it this way, the attitude of your heart toward the Word determines whether or not the Word will produce results in your life. That shouldn't say heat, it should say heart there, praise God. The attitude of your heart towards the Word determines whether or not the Word will produce results in your life. I need to say that about 17 more times. Again, I could show it to you over and over in Scripture where people had the wrong attitude towards Jesus, towards His words. And the Bible says that His words were rendered ineffective where they were concerned. But we also see where other people had the right attitude towards His Word and His Word produced amazing results in their lives. All right, let's keep reading. Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Now, I know we talked a little bit in between verse, verse 10 and verse 11. If you remember, verse 10 ended with a question. The disciples came to Jesus and asked Him, 
Why do you speak to them in parables? The them that he's referring to is the multitudes. Why do you speak to the multitudes? Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to the disciples, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Now, this is an important passage, and before your, your uh, sense of equality and your political correctedness uh, and, and, and all that starts to kick in, let's, let's, let's come to terms with something. Before we even try to explain it, let's come to terms with something. The disciples were given something that other people had not yet been given. Are you seeing this? They had something that other people didn't have. And the only reason they had it is because it was given to them and it was not yet given to other people. Now, again, there's something in us that, you know, we, we try to get all, you know, stirred up about, well, you, you know, God's not fair, He's giving. No, no, please, don't you dare accuse God of not being fair. You don't know what you're saying or thinking. Don't, don't let the devil put that thought in your heart and your mind, okay? He came for all. He died for all. And He's a whosoever will God, Amen. So just because something had been given to one group that had not yet been given to another group, that doesn't mean the other group can't have it. That doesn't mean He won't give it to them. But what we're going to see is that the group that it was given to had something that the group that had not been given to yet didn't have. Amen? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So what was given to them? What was given to the disciples? Insight was given to them. An ability to understand what Jesus was saying was given to them. And notice, we think everybody understands things the way we understand them. So the disciples are hearing Jesus speak, and they're understanding, at least in part, or, or at least in large part, what He's saying. And their assumption is that everybody in the crowd is is understanding what they're understanding. Everybody in the crowd is hearing what they're hearing and everybody's getting out of it what they're getting out of it. My friend, that is simply not the case. People sit in church services every week. Right? Large groups of people come to one church service. Some people get things out of it, other people don't. Right? Some people leave with stuff that helps them. Other people leave bored. Some people leave so excited for the experience they can't wait to get back. Light bulbs going off inside of them. Other folks leave and they're like, man, I'm not sure that wasn't just a total waste of my time. So the, the disciples were just assuming. You know, they're like, Jesus, why do, you, why do you keep playing with these parables? Man, let's get to the good stuff, right? Let's get to that... You know, and, 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 and Jesus says, look, you've been given something that everybody else doesn't have yet. Now notice what he goes on to say. For, for whoever has, has what? We're going to answer that question in a moment. Whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, if you got stirred up in, with verse 11, then verse 12 probably just pushed you over the edge. 
Because see, the, the, the political cultural climate in our day and age is take from those who have and give to those who don't. Jesus is saying the one who has, he will have even more. But to the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Again, if you don't understand this verse, you probably you know, get this wrong impression of, of the heart of our Father and how, and how His truth and, and how His ways work in our lives. This is why we need understanding. This is why we need parables. Amen? Verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So notice what Jesus is saying. He's saying, they're seeing the same things you guys are seeing. They're hearing the same words that are coming out of my mouth that you're hearing. But they're not understanding what I'm saying. They're not seeing it the way you're seeing it. They're not hearing it the way you're hearing it. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Back to the heart condition, verse 15. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Now, we began end of last year talking about the importance of giving God the place in our lives that He deserves and what that looks like and, and how we need to go about that and, and areas that we need to work on and, and fully understanding the place that He deserves and, 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 and how, um, you know, we, if, if we're not careful, we give place to things in our lives that, that we should not give place to. And early on in the course of that study, the Lord spoke a word to our hearts. He said that, that His people are wanting Him to do things in their lives that they have not given Him place to do. And we looked at the earthly ministry of Jesus. We're in His own hometown. The Bible says that He could do no mighty work there. Not that He wouldn't, but that He couldn't. And the reason that he couldn't compared to what he was able to do in other places goes back to the condition of people's hearts towards him and his words. Now, again, in the course of our study, and I'm going to keep reminding you of these things as long as the Holy Spirit is, is prompting me to do so, but we've said that Jesus can't have a place in your life that his words do not have. There's this attitude that you know, Jesus is my all in all, but we really don't have time for what he has to say. That doesn't work. But then there's also this attitude, uh, and, and, and this, I think, maybe uh, um, just as many people, if not more, fall into this category, especially folks who are faithful to church and all these other things. We want his word to have a place in our lives that, that we haven't given him. In other words, we want to be able to speak the word. We want to be able to, to stand on the word. We want to be able to put the word on our refrigerators and, 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 um, and that word just produce in our lives, you know, 
just reproduce like rabbits. I mean, just, just, you know, just out of control harvest, you know, everywhere we turn. But we really don't have a lot of time for Jesus. See, again, that's not going to work. I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is why he said in John 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Amen. It's not, it's not just giving place to him and ignoring his word, nor is it giving place to his word and ignoring him. It's, it's the two together. And so we see that the... Remember, this parable is about what? It's about the attitude of, of an individual's heart towards the Word of God. It's, it's our heart as it relates to the Word of God, the condition of our heart as it relates to the Word of God. That's, that's why this is the master key parable. Because if the condition of our heart towards the Word of God is not right, none of the other parables are going to make any sense to us. It's, it, it, we, it, we can, well, again, let's look at this verse these same three verses, let's see, 11, 12, 13, 14, five verses, whatever it is. Uh, Matthew 13, 11, in the message translation. He replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. So again, what is, what is he talking about here? For whoever has, verse 12 in the message translation, to me, so makes verse 12 from the King James and New King James Version come alive. Verse 12 in the King James, New King James says, For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Notice he says, whenever someone has a ready heart for this. So when, when he's saying whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. What is he Having what? For he who has a ready heart for this. A ready heart for this. Amen. But those who do not have a ready heart, right, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. Do you realize how many people's journey with the Lord began with curiosity? Some of you have heard my mother's story, right? She just had this gnawing sense that there had to be more involved in a relationship with the Lord than what she had experienced for a couple of decades or more in her life. It's curious. Scared, you know, fearful, not knowing you know, what to expect, all that other stuff, but still. And so that curiosity ultimately led to my mom and dad taking some steps of faith, beginning to dip their toe at first into spirit-filled churches and and, and then the word of faith doctrine. And, and, um, but again, notice he says that if there's no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. Remember the parable, the word was sown into the heart, but because people didn't understand it, the enemy was able to what? Steal it from them. What has been given will be taken away. So the enemy comes to steal the word. Are you following me? When we don't understand it. 
That's why, and I appreciate so many of you being patient with me, that's why we repeat so many things. That's why we go slow at times. That's why we may stay on the same verse for four weeks in a row. It's because by the time I'm done, I want to put it on a low enough shelf that anybody who wants to reach it and run with it can. So that you can understand it. So that you can understand it. But what we're going to see if we have time this morning, if not, we'll get to it next week, is, is that apart from an attitude on, our, on, on an individual's part towards the Word of God, it doesn't matter if it's Jesus Himself explaining it, you'll never understand it if the attitude of your heart towards it isn't what it needs to be. Any trace of receptivity soon disappears. I'm going to write a book in the near future, hopefully before the end of this year, how to pray for your loved one in addiction. It is such an issue. It is such a problem. And I hear parents all the time say things like, I'm just praying for my daughter to hit rock bottom. And sometimes I, if it hits me right and I don't feel like I'm being too strong, I'll say, well, you better watch out for those last six feet. Right? Right? Let me tell you the best thing you can pray for anybody, who, especially someone who doesn't know the Lord, but anybody in addiction or struggling with some life-controlling behavior, you need to pray that they will have a readiness of heart to receive the truth. Because until their heart is ready. And this idea that the the, the worse things get, the more ready we become is, is, is not, it's not accurate. It's not true. Okay, amen for that. Thank you, Lord. All right, so let's keep reading here. Message translation, verse 13. That's why I tell stories. To create readiness. To nudge people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. You ever had a conversation with somebody like that? You ever walked up in the middle of a family reunion and started trying to tell somebody about what God's doing in your life and they look at you like a calf looking at a new gate? Well, I've always been told you shouldn't talk about religion and politics around the table. And it's like trying to shut you down, right? They don't even understand. Well, who's talking about religion or politics? I'm talking about what Jesus has done in my life. See, again, yeah, you know. So Jesus is telling us here why He told stories. He told stories to create readiness. You know the most powerful story you have to tell? The one you'll tell with the most passion, the most sincerity, and the most conviction? Your story. Amen. Of everything you have to tell somebody, especially somebody that doesn't know the Lord, amen? It's not how many times you've read the Bible or how many verses you know or can quote to them or all those other things. I'm, listen, thank God for the Bible. Thank God for all that stuff. But again, at that point, you're, you're not trying to get them to understand the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You're, you're, trying to, you're trying to nudge them towards some receptive insight, right? You're trying to stir up some curiosity, some hunger. That's why the disciples said, look, all we know to do is tell anybody who will listen what Jesus has done for us, what we've witnessed, what we've experienced. 
They would say, well, y'all aren't educated. Y'all aren't qualified. You're not ordained. You're not this. You're not that. You know, they're like, well, we don't know about any of that stuff. But, but how can we not tell people what we've experienced? And what that does when you begin to tell folks, like, like, you know, one of your coworkers, I'm just giving you some strategies here, but say one of your coworkers, you know, sitting in the break room, drinking a cup of coffee, talking about how they're struggling financially. Well, begin to tell them what the Lord's done in your finances. Man, I was right there with you, my friend. Let me tell you, I, I started paying my tithes and st started, you know, involving Father God and His wisdom and, and my financial decisions. And, and this is where we were and this is where we are now. And, but you know, again, you're, you're not preaching to them. You're not condemning them. You're just telling them what the Lord's done for you. I guarantee you that other guy you work with will try to get him in his, you know, uh, pyramid vitamin selling marketing scheme. You see what I'm saying? It's like, oh, no, man, you, you, just, you need to get on Facebook and sell vitamins for me. You know what I'm saying? Whatever, you know. If you sell vitamins on Facebook, don't be offended at that. I'm just saying, amen. In other words, <laughs> people are very, you know, very vocal about what's worked for them. Tell them what's worked for you. Amen. He goes on to say, I don't want... Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. Nails it. I mean, he absolutely nails the translation capturing the heart of what's being communicated here. I read this for years and I thought, well, man, you know, Jesus is just playing favorites here. It has nothing to do with, with, with what he's doing. It has everything to do with our response to him. All right, so I want to give you something. If you take photographs of slides on the screen, you might want to get your camera ready. As it relates to the word, a ready, willing heart to respond will receive the revelation. Okay? As it relates to the word, a ready heart willing to respond will receive the revelation. As it relates to the word, a ready heart willing to respond will receive the revelation. It's not a tongue twister. Amen. How many pickled peppers did Pod Piper pick or something like that? No, no. As it relates to the word, a ready heart willing to respond will receive the revelation. A ready heart willing to respond will receive the revelation. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's do this. I'll finish right here. Some of you have heard me talk in the past about the two stacks of stuff, right? I want you to imagine for a moment on this side of the pulpit, we take everything you know right now and stack it up, okay? Everything that you know right now, everything that you understand right now, we, we put it in a pile, we stack it right here, okay? Now, on this side of the pulpit, 
there's another stack. This is the stack of all the stuff you do not know right now. You do not understand right now. And cannot do right now because you do not understand. You follow me? Two stacks. What you know, what you understand, what you can do because you, you do understand and know. What you don't know, don't understand, can't do because you don't understand. Two stacks, okay? Now, if you don't think you have a second stack, you need to be the first one to the altar this morning, okay? We all have two stacks. I hope you also know that the stack of stuff you don't know is much, much larger than the stack of stuff you do know right now. In other words, there's far more things that you don't know than what you do know. Amen? Okay. Now, this isn't to make you feel ignorant or dumb or what have you. It's to give you hope. Because somewhere in this stack of things you don't know are answers you need. Answers that will make a remarkable difference in your life in the way that answers in the stack of stuff you already know and understand and are doing already have made a remarkable difference in your life. Now, I've done this before, but I've, I've never taken it to this next step. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants you to understand tonight, this morning rather. The things in this stack, stuff you don't know, everything you don't know, right? Again, big stack. The things in this stack, though, that you need to know the most, you'll never know unless He gives you the ability to know them. You can stare at it till, your, till doomsday. You can talk to your... Somebody can talk to you till you're blue in the face, right? Whatever that, however you said that a moment ago. Unless he unlocks your understanding, gives you the ability to understand the mysteries, secret, sacred, hidden truth, you'll never see it. You stare at it till you're 120 years old and you'll never see it unless he unlocks your understanding to see it. Amen. Sing as musicians, would you come please? Jesus unlocked the disciples' understanding to see how things work on a level we do not have the ability to access or understand apart from that ability being given to us by our Father. Luke 24 and 45 is a classic example of this. It says, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. One translation says he unlocked their understanding. 1 John 5 and 20, listen to this one. It says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding, has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. One last one, we'll pray.
Acts 16, 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Amen. 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 Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Amen. If you would, just bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you today for these beautiful men and women. Oh, Father, I'm not talking about their outward appearance, although they are handsome and nice-looking, Father. I'm talking about the beauty of who you created them to be. The indescribable glory, Father, that you created each one of us to experience and enjoy during our time spent here on this planet. Thank you, Lord, this morning for helping us understand and connect with your truth, Lord, in a way that we can only connect with it if you unlock our understanding to receive it. Father, clearly you had given the disciples that understanding because of the place they had given Jesus in their lives. May we give him that same place and may we give his words that same place in our lives. Unlock our understanding, Father, that we might be able to see. And Father, for anyone in the room this morning that may not know you, that may have not yet received the gift of salvation that Jesus paid such a high price for us to receive. Father, may their eyes be open now to not just see, Father, the sin or the wrong that we've, we've done, but that we might see our need for a Savior and that we might see your love for us. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, the Bible says that Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. Therefore, having done no wrong, committed no sin, he was falsely accused. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified by the Roman government at the behest of his own people. died on that cross after having been beaten so that we could be healed in our physical bodies. He died on that cross for my sins, for yours. He was laid in a borrowed tomb on the third day. He was raised from the dead. After appearing on the earth to his followers for 40 days, he ascended the right hand of his father before uh, many witnesses. After Jesus ascended to the throne of the universe, an angel appeared to his followers and said that this same Jesus will one day return in like manner. He's coming again. Amen. That, my friend, is the gospel in its purest and simplest form. And if you're here this morning and you've never called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, if you've never received for yourself what Jesus has done for you, today the Bible says is the day of salvation. Is there anyone? This morning, he said, Pastor Mark, would you pray for me? I'd like to receive Jesus this morning. Anybody in the house? Anybody in the room?
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. I want us to um, sing together before we're dismissed. Praise God. And um, as you just worship the Lord before Him this morning, would you, I'm not going to try to tell you what to say, but would you ask Him to, to unlock your understanding? Would you ask Him to reveal to you mysteries hidden from the foundation of the world? Would you ask Him to show you areas in your life where your attitude towards His Word is hindering His ability to reveal His truth and hidden things to you that would make the world of difference in your life. Amen. If you'd like to be prayed for, these altars are open, but let's worship the Lord for just a moment before.